In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it is Rookie Review Part 3. James and I, we are going to cover the top 10 rookies from the 2023, well, I guess 2022 draft class also, because that included Chet Holmgren. But find out who our top 10 rookies from this draft class are. James is going to rank them 1 through 10. This is an episode you do not want to miss. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my brother James Barlow to my left, but it is to the right if you're watching on YouTube. And in this episode, like I mentioned in the open, we are going to do Rookie Review Part 3. We did one at the end of November. It is January 10th. It's been about five or six weeks since we last talked about the rookies. Not a lot has changed at the top between... Victor Wimbenyama and Chet Holmgren. But before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that it is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And right now, if you are a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. All right, let's get this episode started. We've talked about a lot about the guys in the draft, but let's talk about the guys from last year's draft. And of course, Chet Holmgren was from the 2022 class. I mentioned nothing has changed or not a lot has changed at the top since the last episode. So let's let's talk about that. Okay. Rookie of the year. Right now, January 10th, you have to decide who is rookie of the year. Who are you going with? I'm still going with Wimby. You're going with Mayama. I know, like, he leads the rookies in scoring and rebounding. Leads the league in blocks. He, he's leading the league in blocks now? I think he's at, yeah, three. I think he's leading the league in blocks. And so I, I still think it's going to be a split. And I know it's only happened, to my knowledge, I think it's happened more than once. But the last I remember was Jason Kidd and Grant Hill. I cannot see a situation where Victor is not the rookie of the year, but I also feel like it's totally unfair to Chet if he finishes second because he's producing on a team that, I mean, it sounds crazy to say, but there's a realistic chance that the Oklahoma City Thunder could be the number one seed in the West this year. How crazy does that sound? So Chet's been productive, but why are you leaning towards Victor? I mean, like, it's you just can't argue with the talent, the production, the big-time plays. And this is not against Chet because Chet has done these same things. But, like, you know, my man Wimby's getting you 19 and 10 in 29 minutes a game, and they just started playing a point guard next to him. Whereas Chet is playing with, you know, whereas SGA, he's got to be, like, Third in MVP voting right now. If you know, if we were voting and casting votes he's today, he's not getting enough MVP love. I mean, he, he should. should he, he should be two. I don't. I don't know. Even know if uh, Embiid is going to be able to qualify because of injury. He has like nine games left if he doesn't qualify. Embiid. He's going to maximize all of that's like at the end of the year you got those PTO days. <laughs> you trying to trying to use them, but no, I I just feel like I'm not going to hold. Um, Wimby's situation against him. Like, he's 
super productive. Like you saw the game against Milwaukee. Uh, he he definitely answered the question of what's he going to do with physicality. Like Giannis tried to run over him, run through him. He took the hit. But and you, got the block. And got the block. Like that's that's just, just those. See, like, again, no disrespect to Chet. But plays like that are the ones that you show on the Wimbayama montage at the end of the year. Like that's a huge play. If they played him – 33 minutes a game, had a point guard setting him up, throwing lobs. He's at 23 and 11, and he's still getting you three blocks. And you would say the field goal percentage would probably be up a little more if he had some easier looks. I mean, we've all seen the plays where they're not looking for him. They miss him. I actually saw one play where I forgot who it was. It looked like he, like Victor was open, but it hit like the rim and then it bounced in Victor's hands. Then he had an open layup, but there was somebody in the corner. So I, I do think that, I mean, it's hard to not put Victor in the race. 19 points, 10 rebounds, a little under three assists per game. He's averaging... 4.3 blocks in his last 10 games, but overall 3.3 blocks, 1.2 steals. I mean, it's the the 4.5 stocks is is incredible for a rookie. And yeah, I, I agree. If they had a point guard all season long, and then you got to remember that he wasn't even playing the five at the beginning of the season. Look at all these handicaps they put on my man. Yeah, I, I do think that. 23 and 11 could be more realistic. I think the field goal percentage could get to about 46 if they had someone to, to set him up. He's only shooting a little under 30% from three, but 80% from the foul line shows you the touch. I mean, the sky is the limit, but at the same time, like, you can't penalize Chet. I'm not penalizing Chet. I'm team Chet. I've been calling Chet, and I'm still going to call Chet. That's white KG right there. Like, he has... All the talent in the world. But at the same time, let me tell you, Chet walks into every game knowing where he's going to get his shots. I'm going to get some looks at the top of the key because SGA is going to draw two when he drives. After I screen, I'm going to get at least three open threes. I'm going to get some rolls. I'm going to get some lobs. And, like, I just have a better situation around me. I agree. But with all that being said, it's like there's an asterisk or he's getting slightly penalized because the situation is better. Let me get these let me read these numbers to you. 17.8 points per game, 7 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 55% from the floor, 40.9% from 3, 81% from the foul line, and then he's also averaging 2.6 blocks. I mean, any other year Chet would be rookie of the year. I just feel like the award was given to Victor on draft night. I mean, actually, you can make a case say the award was given to Victor. He was like 16. Two, two years ago. <laughs> Chet, I mean, I think he has a very, very strong case. And he's actually, like I said, I think people are penalizing him a little bit for something that he can't control. I mean, Victor can't control his situation, but Chet's team is better. They're winning. He is an important part. I mean, even though the Thunder were trajecting – to be a playoff team this mm -hmm. year, it's like they went from – did they make the playoff last year? They missed the play-in. They missed the play-in to possibly – Well, they made the play-in, but they missed that last game. They missed that last game. So possibly the number one seed. I mean, they're not far out from the number one seed. Look, I'm not arguing against Chet. 
I, I mean, if like like we've talked about before, the best case, the easiest way to settle all this is to just make it a co-rookie of the year award. That's what I would do. But I still feel like there are advantages from sitting out a, year, a red shirt year versus, you know, you coming in fresh into a new situation. So, but one thing I will say and I, I, about both of these guys, they got that dog in them, man. And like skinny dogs. They got that skinny <laughs> dog in them. Chet not shaking hands with anybody. After Giannis, they lost to the Bucks, uh, the Spurs did. And, you know, Giannis is looking around. He's trying to dap up Wimby. Wimby was like, no, I'm not looking for nobody. I'm not making eye contact. Like, he legit doesn't like anybody. And, like, I, I'm not trying to sound like the old head. Back in my day, this guy's nah, man. Michael Jordan was buying dudes earrings before the finals. Like, golfing yeah, with him. it's golfing with him. But, like, I just appreciate that, like, that competitive fire that uh, Wimby has. And Chet, too. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think this is – a rivalry that the NBA is going to start promoting in the future. Too bad they're both Nike guys because we won't get the the Adidas versus Nike rivalry that right. we had with with uh, Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. The you know what 2017 or whatever. I do think there are some advantages for for Chet. I think that's it's a big advantage that he. Had a chance to redshirt, but I still also think that Victor's been playing professionally for a couple of years, and so he has an advantage over a college kid in a sense. That's so, true too. either way, I, I would say it's fair that we'll give the the top rookie right now this rookie review rankings one A, one B with Victor Wimbayama and Chet Holmgren splitting the the top rookie. I'm cool with it. All right. When we return, find out who is ranked number three on James's, I guess, rookie rankings for the 23 and 2022 NBA draft class. But before we get into that, let's talk about FanDuel. The NFL regular season has wrapped up, but there is still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Right now, if you are a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed, and that happens when you place a $5 bet. That is $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is very simple. It's very easy to use. They have same-game parlays. You can find bets in the brand-new Explore tab, and they have a place where you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and Locked. Locked On has launched the first ever, the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. You got to check it out, Locked On Sports Today. We have all the coverage from your local experts and the national shows. So check it out, the first ever, 24 hours a day, seven days a week streaming channel, Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. Subscribe, comment, share. Again, history has been made. The first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel locked on sports today. All right, so we agreed that Wimby and Chet are 1A, 1B. We're not even going to give them a 1 and 2. Nah. Number three, who is the third rookie, if you had to rank them, 
Which rookie comes in at number three on your rookie ranking review? I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Jaime Jaquez down in Miami. I mean, that's a surprise. I mean, I don't think when we came into the season, anyone thought Jaime Jaquez would be the third best rookie. If you look at his production over college, I guess it shouldn't be all that surprising. I just like what Miami did there. I'll be honest. I wasn't – I didn't see Jaquez being this productive this early. He was a player that I thought would need – the ideal situation and fit to maximize his game. Because when I saw him in college, he was a, a very crafty scorer, but he got the ball in like the mid post, ISO. I mean, he was he was fun to watch. He was buckets. I didn't think he'd fall into a situation where he'd be able to play the same way. I thought he'd, crazy enough to say, be reduced to like this three and D roll if he goes to the wrong team. And even though he like shot the ball well from three as a sophomore, his three-point percentage at UCLA was up and down. So I just thought, like, he would need the ideal fit. And he got the perfect fit in Miami, and it's going to pay dividends. It looks like, I mean, it was still very early, but it looks like he's in a better situation to get a big second contract than a lot of the guys that were in the lottery. But it's, I mean, it's way too early. I mean, I imagine a lot of those guys are going to get a, a different opportunity. But what are your thoughts on Hakez and his fit in Miami and how it's propelled him to, at least as of today, I mean, I think he's going to be a first-team all-rookie. I think it's going to be a lock. Yeah, it's uh, it's a combination of a few things. Uh, like you said, it's the fit. It's opportunity. You know, Miami's thinking big picture. So if Jimmy Butler isn't 100%, uh, not going to You know, play. here's the thing about Jimmy Butler. I think, I have a theory. I think he gets banged up from time to time. But I think Miami tells him every year, you're going to cap out at 33 minutes per game, and you're only going to play 65 games per year. I think that is why he's always fresh in the playoffs. So, again, that goes back to what I was saying, opportunity. So, understanding that, you know, Jimmy's not going to play if he's not 100% or if it's not, you know, they, Miami isn't playing for home court. <laughs> Miami's like, think, we just got to get there. I want to add something. Go ahead. Yes. I think Philadelphia needs to start that that thinking with Embiid. Not playing for home court and just... Just say, look, hey, the most important thing is you being fresh in the playoffs. My man's scoring points per game went down 10 from... It does that, well, I want to say every year, but, like, there's a huge... And he never gets the blame two. because... Man, look, ben I, or James always gets the blame for him. Anyway, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole different <laughs> subject. You don't want to get me started. Look, Embiid has all the talent in the world, but this is, like, put up or... Not shut up, but put up or shut up for him because there's nobody left to blame for himself. You can't get 50 on your head if you were supposed to be the better defender between you and Jokic. You can't have P.J. Tucker cussing you out because you're not being aggressive. But, man, let me let me, let me, tell let me get back. Let me stay focused, man. Let me get focused. Look, Jaime Jaquez, great situation. Uh, I We're going to talk about it in a future podcast about how Miami drafts, but – you know, he's he's being productive and he's not being reduced into the three and D role. And I feel like him being third, actually, I don't necessarily think that it's too much of a surprise. I know summer league is summer league, but he played really, really well in summer league as well, too. So it's like you saw that what he was doing was going to work. It was just going to be a matter of an opportunity to to showcase his full game and not be boxed in into a role. One of the craziest things that I saw 
around draft time was there were people questioning his athleticism. And I think that is such a lazy I mean, I just think that's such a lazy take in a sense because, I mean, he's athletic. His game isn't based off of athleticism, but he will make athletic plays. I mean, I, there's a clip going around on social media where he was in a dunk contest. Who, who do you? The quarterbacks. Or no, no, uh, the receiver, Drake London. But I feel like it was another guy that's known for being an athlete that he he won Anyway, that's but I mean, there's like highlights of him at a dunk contest in high school where he was jumping over people. He had a big dunk in the summer league where he jumped over Colin Castleton, who's a seven footer. And so, I mean, I'm just shocked that people were questioning his athleticism and how it would translate to the NBA. He's just one of these guys that's athletic, but his game isn't based off of athleticism. Man, I got a quick take for you. Athleticism is. Overrated in a sense, especially on the wing. I disagree. I think it's. Go ahead. I, I I agree with your point. You need to be a good athlete unless you have elite level craft. And I think like the guys that are special in the NBA that aren't high level athletes are like elite when it comes to being crafty and and I don't know if Hawkins is elite yet, but. He has a combination of craftiness and athleticism, but his game is more so built off the craftiness, which means I think he's going to be able to play a long time because if the athleticism ever fades, he's still got some stuff to his game. I'm, I'm, I lean more towards skills, man. You can't, yeah. you can't out-athlete everybody unless you're like the .0001%. And even then, those guys have skills. Kai Jones. It's the point zero zero one athlete, right? But again, without skills, you just running and jumping, and you just can't run and jump your way to success. Because guess what? Everybody's athletic at this level to an extent. Yep. So, like, I'm more of a skills guy. I feel like uh, Jaime is having success because he's skilled. Like that turnaround jumper that he hit on LeBron. Like, I mean, come on now. That's that's something that you work on. That's something that you've been doing. That's something that you have in the lab. That's just not something that you know the good Lord blessed you with. Like, you have to have creativity, skill, uh, shoot the onions to even try that, and he does it, and that's why he's successful there in Miami. Is there any player in this 2024 draft class? that you are looking at in a different lens because of the success of Jaime Jaquez. Yeah, there are a couple guys. So, like, again, Jaime Jaquez, not a three – you know, I'm not a big fan of 3 and D guys. If you are a often listener, you know, that's just not my favorite, uh, you know, kind of player. I understand the importance of it. But ultimately, I just like basketball players, and I feel like Jaquez is having success because he's a basketball player. Um, I want to say – who reminds me, not to that full extent, but like a basketball player that may not be as high on these other mocks as others because he's not trend, he's not going to translate to a 3 and D guy. I'm higher on Hunter Salas because I feel like he's a basketball player. And he's helping himself because he's shooting threes at a higher volume now. But ultimately, like, if we need to get some offense, he can go get you some offense and not just stand there in the corner and be reliant on your best player, max player, to create a shot for him. And I think for him it's going to go down to fit. He goes to probably most situations they're going to box him in as a 3 and D guy, which it just shows the importance of fit and Miami, how Miami, I mean, obviously they think outside the box, their front office has a lot of continuity and they have the 
the luxury of being able to draft who they like, where they like, and not care. Like the thing I, I love about Miami, and even though it hasn't translated to an NBA title since LeBron left, if Miami, if the Miami Heat liked me at point guard right now, they would draft me and not worry about what others think. I think in most situations, a team would be like, look, Raphael's not on anybody's draft board. We have these guys that are ranked higher than him. This is the safer pick going with this guy. Why while Miami, their their front office has job security. So they'll take a guy like Jamal Cain or what's the guy's name? Highsmith? Uh Haywood Highsmith. I want to call him Alonzo Highsmith, but too. that's the running back. Yeah, it's the running back the, slash the boxer. Yeah. <laughs> from the Houston Oilers back in the day. All right. In the next segment, we are going to round out the top five players in James's rookie ranking review. I guess this is just gonna have to be a two-part series. So find out, or stay tuned and find out who comes in at number four and number five on James's rookie rankings for January 10th. 2024. All right, before we get into the last segment, I want to talk to the audience and the listeners about better health. What are some of the things that you want to keep the same about yourself in 2024? What is an area that you are already crushing it? You know, it's like the opposite of the new year, new me, or new year, new you. With better help, They have therapy. They have these licensed counselors that will help you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make the changes that really stick. Every year, a lot of people get obsessed with how to change ourselves or change things in our life instead of really focusing on just expanding on what we already do well. It's kind of like in basketball scouting. Sometimes we tend to focus on what a player doesn't do well and not necessarily focus on what he does well and and how that will translate to success. And I think it's the same with your everyday life. Now, if you are thinking about starting therapy, you got to give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress that you've made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA and you can get 10% off your first month. All right, last segment. We talked about Victor Wimbayama. We talked about Chet Holmgren. We actually had a whole segment on Jaime Jaquez. All right, James, who are the last two rookies in your top five rookies based off of this 25, I don't even know if teams have played 30 games yet, but so far as of January 10th, who are the last two guys in your top five? All right, I'm going to sneak in three, and they're going to be kind of like rotating. Is that all right with you? No. All right, let's go. (laughs) Look, it's hard to do five because here's the thing. Brandon Miller is being productive in Charlotte right now. And he's kind of falling out of uh, the – he's not really being talked about because Charlotte is just not a good basketball team. And it's unfortunate the chemistry that he had built with LaMelo is just gone because LaMelo's hurt. And I think he's starting to hit the rookie wall. It is January. It's about that time where guys start to hit the wall. And I think for him, he's he's getting close to that. <laughs> he's getting close he's to, getting that, to that wall. All right. I think so. So then we have Derek Lively. Again, 
productive. We talked about Chet being in a great situation. You couldn't ask for a better situation if you're a big, right? You get to play with second, third best passer in the NBA in Luka, and then you get to play with Kyrie, too, when he's available. So, like, Derek Lively, you could put him at five. Um, I do have some concerns with Derek Lively, though. Like, he's got good touch around the paint, and I think he's a good passer, but I don't think he finishes strong all the time. Uh, But, you know, he's young, so we'll see how that develops for him. But I think he's averaging, like, a double-double if you do his per 36. So, like I mentioned in the very first pod, the only thing that was going to stop him from being productive was Jason Kidd. And, you know, sometimes he plays 20 minutes. Sometimes he plays 30. Sometimes it's matchup-based. I get it. But, like, he's been very productive for, for the Mavericks. Yeah, I want, I want to touch on Brandon Miller. In Go his ahead. last 10 games, he's at 37-30-91 shooting splits. He's averaging 13 points, three rebounds per game. I think he's hit the, I think he's hit the wall, which is around this time, I'd say between – January to All-Star break is this month is when you see guys hit the wall. And then it gets tricky after that because you see some teams that have totally just really given up on the season and then they give the rookies like the keys and they turn things around and then you see guys spike their, their numbers increase significantly. I do think that Charlotte's lack of playmaking has impacted him some also. Because you got LaMelo's hurt, so obviously you take away their best playmaker. Rozier has played, he's played extremely well, but I think he's more so looking to get his shot first than than to set him up. Gordon Hayward is is hurt. And so I think there is an opportunity for him to get more shots and, and, and score a little bit more. But I think he's hit the rookie wall. I mean, he's really struggling. He had an 0 for 6 game from 3. and But he's been good enough throughout the season, in my opinion, to stay in the top five conversation. And that's where I have him. I have him at four with, you know, Lively up there. Um, talking about the guy who you didn't want me to talk about. But I think Brandon Pajemski is, uh, if he could be in your top five, I wouldn't argue with that. So it's like, you know, guys are being productive. And, again, you had talked about it. If you would have told somebody that Jaime Jaquez, Brandon Pajemski was going to be – could be first-team all-rookie selections, I mean, who would have believed that besides Pajemski's dad? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, you know, Pajemski, you play him over 20 minutes a game, he's 10-5-4. You play him over 30 minutes a game, he's 13-7-4. Yeah, he's trending in the right direction. He's definitely trending in the right direction. I wanted to talk a little bit about Lively first. Lively's averaging 8.7 points, 7.6 rebounds. He's shooting 72% from the floor. And like you said, it's similar to Hawkeyes. Fit is so important, and Lively is in the ideal situation. I've been talking to several parents that are – the parents of kids that are going to be in a 2024 draft and everybody's so concerned about where their son is at on the mock drafts and on the rankings. And I can't stress enough. Fit is more important than where you go, because if you get to the right fit, it puts you in the best situation to get your second contract. And so I had a discussion with an agent about how he sees first round guys And he said he doesn't grade first-round picks based off of their performance. How he looks at a first-round pick is, will this guy get a second contract? Mm. And so he says, like, there are guys that he thinks are really productive in college right now, but he doesn't know if they're going to get a second, like, contract. They may get a second opportunity 
And so a name that comes to mind is like Johnny Davis, in a sense. Johnny Davis was very, very good in college. And right now, I mean, there's still time, but it's questionable if he's going to get a significant second contract. So speaking with his agent, he said that's how he grades his, his players as far as how he ranks them. So with that being said, it just shows you the importance of fit. Like, if Derek Lively, and it's not a knock on Lively at all. I'm a big Lively fan. I was actually one of the, the ones that thought Dallas would be a good fit for him. But if he goes into another situation, like maybe he gets drafted a little higher with, with the Pacers, he's probably not playing. You're right. He's not playing much. And it's it puts him in a totally, totally different situation. So fit is important, but Lively's played well. Do you see a player in the 24 class that you believe could be next year's version of Derek Lively, where he's a better and more productive pro than he is college player? Talking about strictly from the the big situation? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big standpoint. I think that's probably the easiest to like plug a guy in and say, all right, if he had a point guard that got him the ball, if you're in the right situation where his role was a little simplified. He, he couldn't make something happen. One of the guys that I'm kind of leaning towards is Khalil Ware, even though he's been a little – I mean, he's been productive. He's been more productive than Lively was at Duke. But I wonder if – and I don't I can't think of the ideal situation for him off the top of my head right now. But I wonder if Ware was just told, hey, look, I know you're skilled. I know you got this and that. But all we want you to do is play hard, use your motor, run the floor, block shots. Because every year – Every draft, there's a guy that falls to the late teens or 20s, and he ends up being a, a starting center in, in the NBA. And I think Khalil Ware could possibly be that guy. But I'm just seeing if there was someone that you believe. And it could be Messi, Fee Messi. Well, his numbers aren't, like, eye-popping right now, but do you think if he goes into a perfect situation, he could be, like, lively? Absolutely. I was actually going to say it's Fee Messi. Uh, situation is different. I think um, – after, depending on where what happens with Memphis, because you know their season's looking like it's you know with John Morant being Shrap, even though they beat the Mavs last night, breaks off the Mavs last night. I feel like if you don't go in that wing direction, because you have Smart and you want to play Bain and Jod together, you I think they should take a very long and hard look at drafting a big. So let's say they fall to whatever seventh or eighth, and if Misi's there. Like, he could be very, very, very productive in Memphis next year if he's given an opportunity to play, especially with Steven Adams and his knee injury. Like, I think he has an opportunity to make, to put up numbers there in Memphis because rebounding, we know that, you know, Triple J doesn't really rebound, so he's going to have every opportunity to rebound. Uh, we saw, we see, excuse me, what Brandon Clark does when he's healthy as a vertical lob threat with John Morant. So, like, we, we brought up uh, Memphis and Sweet Missy, like, he would be, like, he could win Rookie of the Year next year in the right situation if that situation that I, I was going to roll my eyes, but then I thought, like, this rookie class is so wide open. I mean, he there's could no. Be rookie of the, if, he, if he starts next year or whatever, I don't, you know, let's just say he starts. And he averages 12 and 8 and 2 blocks and Memphis is back to being Memphis. Like, why wouldn't he be first-team all-rookie or a candidate to win rookie of the year? I don't know if he'd have a clear path to starting like Lively did because Steven Adams signed That's a pretty true. good contract. And then Memphis is just a weird situation because they're like 
probably going to be a high lottery team, but they're also in win now mode, which again could be similar to. I mean, Dallas wasn't a high lottery team, but I, I see the correlation where if you are, you got your superstar in place in Memphis, you got your second option, you got your three best players in place. So as a rookie, you can, if you have one thing or a couple things that you do well, you can come in and, and make an impact. So whether it's like a wing floor spacer or a big that, I mean, if Adams and Biombo aren't there, but if there's a big, like like you said, that rebounds, block shots, just has a really simplified role and doesn't have to do anything but be a defensive specialist and, and rim runner. I'm telling you. I do think that there is an opportunity. Real quick, Steven Adams has one more year on this deal after this year, $12 million. So, again, he's, he's somehow he's only 29. He's been in the league. He, I feel like he entered the league at 16. Bro, he played, How are you an under 30 and you played with Russ KD exactly. and Harden just for turned, multiple years. Just thirty. The last. I mean, Stephen Adams and like no. Derek Favors are like the two oldest, youngest dudes. No. Stephen Adams ever. Stephen Adams is an old dude, but like I said, he's got one more year on his deal after this season. I I wouldn't be surprised, depending on where they fall, that it, a big, a young, athletic, tough big would be on the Memphis Grizzlies' radar. So, like again, we talked about situation. I feel like, hey man, it's Fee, Missy, and Memphis. This would be great. All right. We're going to talk a little bit more about Brandon Prajemski in the next episode. Like I said, we're going to split this up into two episodes. So stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to talk about a little bit more about pods. We're going to talk about Scoot Henderson, the Thompson twins, Casey Wallace. Like, there's quite a few players that could be in the mix. We're only going to have 10 prospects. So find out who the next... I guess five, four players, I should say. We've already, five and a half. We've already teased pods. Four and a half. We'll find out who rounds out our top ten in the next episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with my brother James. This is Rookie Review Part 3, 1.0. Stay tuned for the next episode. We out. <laughs>